There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare you know that feeling when you walk into your home take a deep breath and feel new well that's what it's like to use clorox antiva because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. They are Sports Illustrated. It's amazing. This incredible body of work. I really appreciate the integrity. Everything you do is well done. You guys do a great job. Uh, We love it. What can we say? He's Chris Maddox. He's employed by Sports Illustrated. The announcer's got it in for me. There you go. This is the Crossover NBA Podcast. You have a problem with it? Build a team that can beat them. Hosted by the one and only. Oh, thank God. Thank God. Chris Mannix. All right, joining me now on the podcast, he just celebrated his 21st birthday. He is the head coach. <laughs> I'm dying to use that joke sincere. <laughs> Ryan Saunders, head coach, Minnesota Timberwolves. Sorry, man. I couldn't even get the joke out before. That's ridiculous, man. Before I even yeah, it's, I'm, I, I was just about to say I'm glad to be glad to be here with you, but I'm, I'm rethinking my, my opening. Just an icebreaker right there. Hey, remind, me to, remind me to talk about the best thing that, that a fan has said to me this season just based off of that this the best thing season. oh no go since yeah. we're there go now like best thing uh, so you you lead off with the, tw- the you know the 21st birthday joke which was you know that's funny yeah you know but so my first game in in oklahoma city um coaching you know their fans are great they're they're hard on, on the opponent but they're great mm-hmm. and uh we'll see how 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 in touch you are with your your formative years of of movies and, and pop culture but i have uh it was it was dead quiet there was a free throw and some some guy in the in the in the crowd yelled, uh, "Hey Billy Haywood, why don't you why don't you put uh, why don't you put um, Lou Aldangan who wasn't who wasn't he was hurt at the right. time, something like that." 
so Billy Haywood was the 12 year old, um, you know, twins uh, manager uh, little in league. Little Big League. Yeah. So that was, I, I turned around. Did you catch Billy? The, I, you got the reference? I got the reference. I turned around and I gave him a thumbs up because <laughs> it was that good that I, I want, like, I wanted to acknowledge him that he did his research and like it, the, the whole section started dying. You, you have to acknowledge a good joke. Oh, like that. that was, it like, was great. It was like, it, that was perfect. Perfectly timed. Like he was waiting. He, he had it. That's that's a tremendous bad sports movie reference right there. It the, was, it was the Billy Haywood line. Um, you are the youngest head coach in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Is that the youngest ever in the NBA? I'm not keeping track. I'm I don't not, know. It's, it's, that's it's, your job to do it, the it research. Is. I don't. Man. I don't do much research for this podcast. You should know that by now, Ryan. <laughs> um, but let, let's kind of go back though. To, to the very beginning, especially when, you know, your father, Flip Saunders, who everybody knows, legendary, uh, you know, coached in the, the CBA, coached in the NBA for a long period of time and finished uh, in Minnesota. But when you were born, he, he was kind of, your early years, mm-hmm. he was kind of bouncing around the CBA, yeah. right? What, what was your early years like? Were you bouncing around with yeah. him? And- yeah. No, we, we, bounce, we bounced around as a family. And, and it's, you know, that's the thing that, you know, for, for most of my life, you know, he has, you know, for, for the, the life I really remember, you know, the, you know, teenage years, the elementary school, you know, those years, he was in the NBA. But the thing that I think people, you know, don't give him enough credit for, and a number of coaches who have worked their way through it, um, through, through the G League and through the CBA, is that, you know, you had, he had to grind, really grind. Um, and, you know, we were in a number of places, La Crosse, Wisconsin, Rapid City, uh, South Dakota, Tulsa, Oklahoma, um, uh, you know, I could keep Sioux Falls, South South Dakota. I could keep going. I mean, we were all over the place, and he, uh, you know, you, there's not a lot, of, not a lot of money down there mm-hmm. um, at the beginning, um, but you you make it work, and ultimately worked out for him. Mm-hmm. What was I mean? Was it just like apartment to apartment? Yeah, I mean, because yeah, you're probably not making a ton of money no, as a CBA no, coach, pretty, pretty much. And you know, but a lot of things. And I, I told my wife that one of these. At some point, you know, we do have a, a young child, but at some point, you know, I want to drive through those old you know towns that that he coached in just mm-hmm. to see where kind of where we were but um it made us closer as a family and i think that's one of the reasons that i'm so big on relationships and connection and and really i believe in the family oriented in environment and organization is because my family was so close you know i shared a room with my younger sister for um you know in an apartment for a long time there um that made us closer mm-hmm. you know and then obviously when we get to minnesota you know you uh, you know, things become a little, little better and, and did, uh, it, you know, you still have that bond though. Did you have, Oh, you know, you're so young when you're going through that, but did you have a favorite place to live in for whatever period of time it yeah. was? A lot of, a lot of my, my best memories, I mean, Minnesota is, is home. That's my, my favorite place. But a lot of my best memories, um, were in, uh, lacrosse, Wisconsin, when you won two CBA championships. Um, and you know, just our family was, you know, so tight, and and those are my younger my younger sisters who were born. They're twins, um, and I just have a lot of good memories from there. Mm-hmm. And you know, while he's going through the the coaching, is that something that takes root with you? And when does it take? Obviously, it does take root mm-hmm. with you. But when did it take root with you to be yeah. in the coaching circle? Yeah. I mean, I, I I always knew I wanted to do something in basketball. You know, like like any I think kid who plays and and who falls in love with the game, you want to be a basketball player when you grow up I learned quickly that that wasn't going to be in the cards for me mm-hmm. you know I, I wasn't wasn't going to be talented enough to play professional basketball professional basketball um, so you know the coaching um, route was one that I, I knew was, was going to be you know what, what I was destined for just because I love the game um, I love everything involved the preparation um, the competition you know just the the 
togetherness that you can feel with a team. And he, he taught me that early, and uh, you know it, it stayed with me. Were you around a lot of your father's teams early on? Did you try to spend yeah. as much time as, as you could around them? Yeah, I was an annoying kid that was always around. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I was a quiet kid. I was really shy. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, I was, I was one of those kids that was always around. So, I mean, I probably annoyed a number of players just being – just my presence being there where they felt like they may have had to watch their language, things like that. But, um, yeah, I was there. But, you know, I wasn't there just to hang out and, you know, just have some – because my dad needed to babysit mm -hmm. me. I was there because I really liked to be around it, you know. Is there a Steph Curry next to Del Curry <laughs> type picture of you somewhere out there on the Internet – of you next yeah. to your father at age like five uh you know yeah i'm sure there's something out there <laughs> i I'll, I'll have to look but i'm mm. sure there's something out there but um there is one that that one of our um photographers found last season when i took over it was when i was a ball boy when i was nine years old and i was waiting for i had kg on one side Stefan marbury on my other <laughs> side and i was waiting at half court for them to take their you know there's a stoppage mm. of play for them to get their warm-ups off mm. and uh and you know get their warm-ups take them back to the bench so there's one of those that that brings you way back man people forget how good yeah. that that tandem was and like and unf unfulfilled potential Absolutely. was kg and steph what, what do you remember about those two guys playing together yeah uh, you know it, it's being young you you know I, I remember just being envious of what they were doing for the city i mean there was a buzz they're both young on the same timeline right there um people saw glimpses <clears throat> In, I think in Minnesota, people saw glimpses of, of um, what was to come and that there were happy days to come, you know, for them coming to games, just things like that. And obviously, you know, things, things ultimately don't, didn't work out. Um, but, you know, my dad, I remember him, he told it a number of times. He told a story that he said he, he told Stefan, um, Stefan, you know, when he did move on, that one day him, KG, and and uh, Steph, we're gonna sit around, have a beer, and, and talk about what could have been. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I don't, I don't think they ever got a chance to do that. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's uh, you know, it could have been something special. That would have been a great conversation to have because I think deep down, Steph probably regrets. You know, when he looks back on it all, because New York didn't work out, yeah. uh, Jersey, whatever, mm -hmm. uh, even Phoenix didn't really work out. I mean, that was that combination could have been some. That was the foundation yeah. for, for a really good team. Yeah, no, it, it definitely could have. And, you know, everybody's path is different. And there's, there's, I believe there's a reason for, reason for you know, decisions that are made and, and you know, where, where you end up. And, you know, Stefan's doing, doing great over in China. Um, so, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy for him with all that. He's actually – he reached out to me um, you know, when I took over. And um, we've had some dialogue. So it's been cool to get back in touch with – some of the guys that my dad had an impact on and for them to, you know, push their support uh, behind me and, and um, just the organization. I mean, he's a legend in yeah. China. I mean, like a literal legend, like yeah, his own you, statue and everything. That's what I was going to say. When you, when you got a statue of yourself, you know, in, you know, obviously the U.S., but let alone a place like China, mm -hmm. um, you know, where, uh, you know, he, he's an import player. I mean, that's pretty remarkable, mm -hmm. so... The uh, the bond between your father and, and KG was something that mm -hmm. everybody kind of knows about and knows how strong it was. But when you were younger, how did you see that bond kind of form? Because I mean, how did that really strengthen to the point where it got to? You know, I, I saw it as a, I think it was like Kevin, you know, people see Kevin, his intensity and, and his, um, you know, how he approaches the game uh, and it just as a competitive fire, but they don't understand his heart and, and his coachability. Like that's one of the things I always tell, you know, 
young players or, or players when, I, when I'm going to a, speak to a kid's camp, like my dad would say he was the most coachable player he ever had. And this guy was a, was a you know, is a Hall of Famer. And I mean, one of the MVP, just, you know, who he was at the time, he was always the guy that was allowed the coach to coach him hard. Um, and so I think that bond really brought them together. And, you know, he, my dad used that on me a lot growing up when, you know, when I'd get frustrated if, if he was, you know, he's working me out and he tries to correct me on something. And he, I remember I can hear it over and over in my head. He must have said it hundreds of times. He'd always say, so I can coach KG, the best player in the league, but I can't coach you. <laughs> and he used to say that all the time. And as soon as he'd say that, I knew that he was right. Mm-hmm. But the, um, the, the, the compliment that people pay to KG all the time is best practice player yeah. ever. Did, what did, did you ever see that, and yeah. what did you see? No, I, I did. I did. And, and, and he, uh, you know, when I was young, and then I actually got a chance to be with him um, when I was an assistant with the Timberwolves for, you know, his, his last year. Right. And he was the same practice player. I mean, it, it was unbelievable. And, you know, he's, everybody's got great KG stories. And, and uh, you know, I got a great one just shows how intense he is in practice. You know, I'm a, probably 9, 10 years old, and, um, I, it was, it must've been like MEA or one of those, one of those times where you got school off. So I went down to practice and they, they, uh, they were scrimmaging and, um, you know, KG, like that was my guy. Like we, I'd rebound for him. Like he, he always used to tell me, he's like, you're my personal ball boy. Like, you know, you can only, he was, we had a really, really tight bond. And, and, uh, so he was so intense during the scrimmage that, you know, they're going up and down, and Wally Zerbiak hits a shot out of the corner, and I'm kind of sitting sitting down there, and Wally sticks his hand out, um, you know, to give me a high five. And, like, hey, any NBA player there, um, you know, if you're a kid, you're going to shake the NBA player's hand. But he was on KG. He was on the opponent to KG at that time uh, it, during the scrimmage. And so I, 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 you know, gave him, shook his hand, and KG just starts yelling at me. He's like, oh, so you're with them now. You know, and he just starts starts yelling. And what that did was I saw the, the intensity, like, you know, the intensity go up and uh, the fire in his eyes, and they ended up coming back and winning. And then he's talking trash to me as a 10-year-old because I shook his hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's what he needed to do to get going. There was an – I mean, I, I still got to look at the us-against-the-world mentality uh-huh. that KG yeah. had in Boston yeah. up close and personal. I, I don't think I've seen anything like that that – that type of consistent intensity, no let up. If you're yeah. on his team, you're his guy. Yes, the second yes. you're not on his team, yeah. you are no longer oh, his guy. Oh no, and and it's it was remarkable, like to see what he. And a, a lot of a lot of what I believe in as as a you know a basketball coach um, was adopted through things I learned from KG, um, and and that's your the loyalty part of things, and just the the uh, you know what what you you coach the player coach the person before you coach the player mm-hmm. he was i mean i remember he was so tough to get to sit down do like any kind of one-on-one yeah. stuff man like there was one year this is the year that got traded to so i didn't learn that from him no I'm sitting, here, sitting with you. here with me yeah that's yeah. better idea i don't think you want to, i don't think you want to adopt that kg policy it never works out well especially for a coach but he was when he was traded to brooklyn they, i was trying to write like a tiktok of how it all kind of went down yeah. and he wouldn't do any kind of mm-hmm. deep dive into it but i'd found out in previous years that he loved the show Boardwalk Empire. And I went, I was doing boxing stuff with HBO. So I went to HBO and got like an advanced screener of the season and like That's effectively, smart. effectively bribed him with a copy of the, the first like six episodes of that season. And I as like I gave it. it to him, he's like, what do I got to do with this? I'm like, five minutes, just five minutes. That's all I need. And he did it. And he did it. He did that, it. Gave that's me, big time. That gave me five minutes for 
Is that like even ethical to give somebody? Yeah, I was going to say, I don't, like, I don't know why you're. It's not really a payoff. It's smart to put it on tape. Oh, come on, it's it's he's, re- he's retired now. It's all good. <laughs> um, so so coaching for you, and, and so it's in your mind as you're and you're mm-hmm. a kid. What was your first coaching job, and the, the conversation with your father about becoming a coach? How did that go? Yeah. Well, I'd say coaching jobs. I mean, are you know your first time you really coach is you know as, as a kid is you work your way through camps, you work your way, you do things like that. Um, I spent a graduate assistant year at the University of Minnesota um, and then spent 10 years in the NBA as an assistant. Uh, so it's, you know, and then, you know, we're in Vegas now, obviously, and, and Summer League, you know, I spent a number of years coaching Summer League, so that helps prepare you um, a lot too. But I, I remember when, when I told my dad I wanted to go into the coaching and he asked me, he's like, are you sure? You know, those were his exact words because he knows he knows the, the toll that you know, it can take on you and it can take on the people around you. And, you know, I think he was thinking about that CBA, you know, that, that it can be a grind um, with things. And obviously it's, it's, you know, we're really fortunate what the NBA has, has and basketball has really afforded my family. Like we're, we're very fortunate for that, um, you know, but I think he, he wanted to make sure that I knew, you know, what, what it, it could take to get to um, ascend to the level that, that I wanted to ascend to. So the first NBA gig was in Washington? Yeah, with the Wizards. On your know, dad's yep. staff down yep. there. Did you have to have to fight the kind of perception oh, yeah. of I mean, I mean how, how yeah, did that manifest yeah. itself? Yeah, and and but it was nothing I ever fought. I'm I'm the first one to always admit that the reason I um, got my first opportunity in the NBA was, you know, because my dad. And but it was also because I was good at what I what I I have a knowledge. I was good at what I um, what I do and but he he told me and then actually somebody else who's um whose father uh is a hall of famer who still works in the NBA he didn't know me but he, he tracked my number down um when I got in the NBA at 23 in Washington and he texted me and he said um he said one thing I want you to know is that people may say something say things about you and and your dad he goes but every single person in the NBA got a break somehow it's what it's what you do when you get your break because not not everybody stays in, and and that really stuck with me, in terms of you know the the putting putting the work in, putting the work in, and you gotta you gotta do more and be be better and 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 try to treat people better than um, you know somebody who who might not have a father in the mm-hmm. NBA. Because I definitely wanted to go against that stigma. The first couple of years, what kind of responsibilities did? did you have yeah. with that with the Wizards I did a lot of player development mm-hmm. a lot I was hev- heavily involved in player development um, and then and I also you know believe it or not started using analytics um, we created our own iPad application before the iPad even came out we actually had to you know kind of um, chop up a MacBook and make it a touch screen and I used that on the bench I'm sure there's a picture I mean this thing was about 20 pounds <laughs> Um, so it was a workout too that I'd carry around um, during games, but it tracked real-time efficiencies, and that was kind of before analytics was um, was the norm. Uh, so people kind of looked at me a little bit nutty, but I, it was something I believed in um, at the time. My dad believed in, uh, but so I was heavily involved in both the, the analytics as well as the player development early mm-hmm. on. And then um, Randy Whitman, really, when he took over, he really um, elevated my responsibilities. Um, so I, I give him a lot of credit. Those are some wild teams yeah. in DC. Yeah. That was some interesting times. I used to do a radio. A lot. I used to do a radio show with Karan Butler, and I've heard of, of many a story of the old Washington Wizards. Yeah, I probably got a few too. But <laughs> but you, uh, 
you know, it, people have asked me that, and those, those years really helped me. Mm-hmm. It helped me be able to adapt, um, you know, to whatever's thrown at you. Uh, so at, at, at this point now in this role, um, so, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for those. Mm-hmm. Going back to Minnesota, um, to, to work with your father again, was that a no-brainer for you to, mm-hmm. to do it? I mean... Yeah, no, it actually wasn't. Oh, okay. Um, I was, I was going to stay in Washington, and I had told him that. And because, you know, what we had just kind of talked about, I, li- I really liked being on my own. And I really, I really liked, you know, forging my own path. Um, but, you know, when I had told him, hey, I'm going to stay in Washington, he, um, you know, he sat on it for a few days. And then, then, you know, he put his dad hat on and called me one night. And I remember him saying, like, hey, I need you to come back and help me build this thing back up to where it was. Um, and when he said, I need you, um, that was all I needed to hear. Mm-hmm. You know, before he, you know, before that, he was offering me a job, and you know, when he said I need you to come back, um, you know, I came back. That was a no-brainer then. That that must have resonated differently with you then. Like it, if he's just saying like it goes from being like I'm gonna offer you a job yeah. to I need you to take this job. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it did, it did, and you know, I went, you know, through the process though. I I went through. I asked to be interviewed. Um, you know, I went through the process, and you know, with the people that other people within the organization that didn't know me for them to interview me um, because I thought that was important, uh, not just for him, for the people, but for, for me. And, you know, it, it was, I knew that coming back, there'd be, you know, things that would help my career and there might be things that, you know, if handled, handled wrong could, you know, put you back a little bit, but um, you know, it, it did ultimately end up helping me. And, and it was, you know, it gave me the ability to, to spend the last year of my dad's life mm-hmm. with him and really um, be around them and then be there for my family. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events... You'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.
when when he passes away and you know after you the, the personal side of it is you get through that professionally what are you thinking there do you want it like i mean do you want to even stay in minnesota do you yeah. want some i mean i wouldn't blame you if part of you was like i want to start something completely fresh yeah i was i was i was um very heavily contemplating um you know just being done with it and and going and doing you know coaching you know in another you know whether it be high school whether it be you know college some somewhere else i i was i was very you know i was thinking about that because it was uh it was um it was really hard to walk into a building that he helped you know design that he i saw his office every day you know just those little things but his light was always off i mean it's one it's it sounds heartbreaking but it, it felt that way mm-hmm. um because it, it, it was really difficult him and i were beyond best friends um you know you can ask anybody in, in the nba they'd tell you you know our bond was was really really deep uh, but you know ultimately i just kept pushing forward. Um, my mother encouraged me. Actually, reconnected with my wife a couple weeks after his death, and um, she told me, you know, to just keep pushing. And uh, you know, for that reason, it, it, uh, I give them a lot of credit too. Mm-hmm. The um, at, when when Tibbs takes over, mm-hmm. are you do you sure that he even wants you yeah. on that staff? I mean, what's your your what's going through the process there? Yeah, no, I I, I was it was it was just that and. Um, you know, uh, it was his, you know, decision to keep me around, uh, because I, you know, I, I don't, I don't, don't think he received a mandate or anything like that because we went through, you know, I ended up coaching summer league that summer and, um, you know, didn't know if I was going to be staying around, but he, um, you know, once again, he's another person I give a lot of credit to. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, I learned a lot, a lot from him, um, and, and he's going to, he'll land on his feet. You know, obviously he's he's so dedicated to the game and just the things that I learned from him with the details and the putting in the work and just everything that goes into it uh, is, you know, incredible. And so a lot of, you know, he gave me some some great opportunities that, you know, I'm, I, obviously it's hard not seeing him all the time anymore. But, um, you know, he he really helped me. I think as much as Tibbs wants to be coaching, I think this is good for him. Va- seeing vacation Tibbs over the last year, he spent a lot of time in Boston. He was around yeah. that team a lot. Even in like the stands at Summer League, he's kind of waving at you in the stands. Like He's very lo- much a looser guy That's now. Great. I think he needed a little... Yeah. He'll get back in, no question. Like yeah. He's too smart, yeah. a basketball yeah, mind. But uh, I think a break, if he looks back on it, will ultimately yeah. wind up yeah. being uh, being pretty good for him. But um, So to fast forward a little bit, you know, the, the, the this past season starts off and Jimmy's on the team, mm-hmm. and Tom's the coach, and what was it, a month or two later, all of a sudden, everything there changes. Yeah. What were those first couple of months like as you guys are first trying to piece something together and then watching it all kind of come apart? Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it was, it was, it was something like I haven't, haven't felt, and I don't think, you know, people within our group have, have felt because, you know, we all, we all wanted, you know, we, we wanted to really be good and really forge forward with things. But obviously, you know, in the NBA, trade requests happen, things, things you know, come about that you can't control. And, um, you know, unfortunately, if it, those things end up, um, you know, affecting, you know, play on the court. Um, obviously, new guys get brought in, you know, and then can affect a lot of people's lives with things. Um, but, you know, every, it, it, everybody will get to, you know, where they're supposed to be, 
you know, everybody that was involved in, in, in those first couple months, even if they're not with the Wolves now, um, you know, I'm confident in that. Mm. There was, uh, it was widely reported about that first practice. Jimmy came back mm. and the intensity of it. Yeah. Do you remember it being as intense as it kind of was put out there as? I mean, you, you could probably say right now, I'm making a little bit of a face because <laughs> it, the MV, like that's the thing that people don't, <laughs> they don't realize, realize like the NBA practices are intense. Yeah. You know, these, Players are competitive. Coaches are competitive. Like, things happen in practice. And it's, you know, like, things like that. It's not the first time I've seen a very intense practice. So as it was happening, um, I wasn't thinking, like, like how, you know, out of control this is or anything like that because it was was just an intense scrimmage. Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, you know, then you hear everybody talk about it and, no offense to you, but you know the. I think sometimes the, you know, things can be, be become storylines. It mushroomed um, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, a little bit because I thought, hey, I thought we were just, you know, competing. Mm. I've, and I and I, I speak to that where, you know, I just told a story about KG yelling at a nine-year-old kid for giving <laughs> Wally Zerbiak a high five. Like, you know, things happen in practice. <laughs> they do. They do. <laughs> um, t- but you getting when, when they decide to part ways with Tibbs, how did it work for you? To, yeah. to what was that? process like about the call you got and yeah. the consideration you gave to it? it it was it was hard it was really hard um you know because I love Tibbs and, and the respect I have for him it, it was really really hard and you know it was after a win so I was you know putting my my backpack down at home and and uh you know I received a phone call to go back and you know I you know went through once they told me you know what was going on and what they wanted for the you know foreseeable future um, I obviously needed to talk to a number of people um, before I could accept a post like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely not something I took lightly, and uh, you know I wanted to make sure to do it the right way if if I was going to go about that. And ultimately, I, I ended up you know taking it, and uh, you know you go through ups and downs through through the season. You learn there's different things that happen. You know as a head coach. What was um, the piece of advice though that when you're you're asking friends and family or whoever you were talking to, what was mm-hmm. the one that might have resonated with you the most yeah I mean I think it was it was the you know when I would talk about like I don't know if I want to do it just because of the uh you know my relationship with with coach and my respect level for coach uh Tibbs and just everything you know you know people would say hey if if you're not taking it somebody else is going to take Mm it and you know it's an opportunity opportunities don't come come like this in the NBA and when you put it that way you know it, it takes you out of you know the the small-minded thinking and you realize you know that you do have a, a responsibility to the organization too um you know who's uh you know paying you mm-hmm. and so it was uh and i do have a lot of love for the organization so that really played into it mm-hmm. too um when it became a reality knowing the respect you have for tips of course but at some point after you take the job is it kind of set in that here i am at but 32 and it's like i'm a damn head coach in the NBA one of 30 right yeah there. yeah I mean it kind of yeah yes yes and no it once I I took the job I mean I think I pretty much dove right into everything mm-hmm. um you know I, I one wanted to make sure the players um I was on the same page with each one of them so I spent a lot of time with guys individually um you know two nights later we played in Oklahoma City and uh you know like I said I mean that you know, it's a raucous environment. You got two of the best players in the world at the time um, on that team. You know, obviously a great coach and Billy Donovan. Just a lot of things were were there that I'm looking at. 
you know, I'm looking at that game and I'm like, oh, like we couldn't have had a, had a home game against uh, somebody else, you know, that, that might be, be struggling at the time. Um, but ultimately the game ended up, uh, you know, a special one, one that I'll, I'll always remember. Mm-hmm. The, um, the relationships with the players, mm-hmm. how important was that for you to kind of yeah. hit the ground running, what you'd built as an assistant coach yeah. up until that yeah. point? Uh, I mean, it was, it's everything to me and still is the relationships with players. The, I think that you coach the coach the human being first, and, the, and then the player, then the athlete. And you know, if you can connect on a level that you that they know that you care about them, um, then when the hard conversations and when the hard times come in February, they'll still be hard, but you might you know have a glimmer of you know hope that you can get through those hard times with, with an individual. Uh, because you know, if, if you have that connection with things, um, so that was really important to me to really um, make sure that those those relationships were still solid. But they also understood that um, you know the the relationship was going to be different. Head coach or assistant coach to head coach was going to be different, and I understood that you know on my end that they were not all going to like me mm. at, the, at at every moment. Um, but I also understood what came with the job. The first play you ran that mm-hmm. Oklahoma City game, your mm-hmm. father's old bread and butter play there. Yeah. Did you well, have to reteach that? Do you have to teach that to the guys? And I, I, say, taught, I taught it that shoot around. That shoot yeah, around. Say so this is not going to be our playbook going forward, but this is. Yeah, yeah, and, and I don't know. I don't. I maybe ran it one more time mm-hmm. um, the rest of the year, but I, I ran it that one time, and it was it was one of those one of those things that the night before, you know, I was, wasn't going on much sleep, mm-hmm. um, and I was trying to put together, you know, the shoot around for the next day and. I was trying to. I knew I wanted to walk through what our first play was going to be, so we could get the timing and the execution right, and you know, try to start the game off on a positive note. And uh, you know, the, the play that just kept coming to my mind was 452 twist. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, which which is, is was a really solid play for that for that old Timberwolves team with KG. Um, and you know, I, I was like, all right, you get one you get one chance to run a a, a play as an NBA head coach, a first play. As NBA head coach, like let's make it this one and let's give it, you know, make it a tribute to to Dad, mm-hmm. you know, for you know our relationship and what everything he's done for me. And I only told my mother um, that was that that was going to be it. But lucky for everybody else, uh, Kevin McHale, Isaiah Thomas, and Chris Weber, who were doing the game, mm-hmm. you know, in the studio NBA TV. So Kevin was one of his best friends. Chris Weber used to get that play ran for him all the time, <laughs> and Isaiah is a savant, so he noticed that right away. So I did an interview, post game interview with them right away, and they called it out, and then it mm-hmm. picked up from there. Yeah, the um, the it's so hard to take over a team on the fly mm-hmm. and institute new things. Mm-hmm. Uh, how much were you able to put your imprint on the team last year, whether it's play calling stylistically? Yeah. What, what more of the challenges not having a training camp? Yeah, I mean there, there were there were major challenges. Uh, you know, with that, and you know, you want to be, be, you know, respectful of the of the players, um, and not overload them. That was important to me. Uh, you know, not changing everything. You know, you you add some things, and over time, you know, during All Star break, you can, you know, change change some some things. But uh, you know, and and also like, hey, Tibbs did a great job teaching guys. So you know, it, it wasn't. Um, you know where I wanted to completely overhaul things, it, and it wasn't that you know anything I did change or do change isn't isn't 
because I think anything is done wrong. It's because, you know, you got to just do things your way. I mean, there's no right and wrong. It's just your way. Um, and with that, you know, you change some things, but it's hard to change on the, on change a lot on the fly. Mm -hmm. How much of your, now that you're going into your first full season as a head coach, how much of what you are as a coach mirrors what your father yeah. was as a coach? I mean, we're, you know, that's one thing I'm glad you asked the question. Cause that's one thing I want to make, you know, clear is that we're very different mm -hmm. you know yeah I've seen the split screens of our mannerisms and our ticks on the sideline and some of those things and um, you know I'd say our biggest similarity is how we think it's important the relationships and the communication with players um, we we see that as being you know a, a heavy pillar of, of what we need to you know have our, our foundation in and but in terms of style of play, you know, I'm gonna, I have different ideas than him. Him and I, we had plenty of conversations where he didn't agree with some of my, my things. I didn't agree with some of his, his things. Mm -hmm. But we always respected, you know, um, respected the opinions of everything. But um, there will be differences, but there will also be some similarities. Mm -hmm. When you ended the season, you know, there's more change. There's mm -hmm. a new boss in place mm -hmm. in Gerson Rojas, who you had a relationship mm -hmm. with before. So yeah. you, it wasn't you weren't going in cold there. But, I mean, at that point, are you – I mean, you got to want to still be a head coach there. Yeah. I mean, they, they, you must, at some point, it kicks in that, like, but I want to keep this job. Yeah, yeah, no, and, and once, yeah, it's like once you get a taste of it, you want mm -hmm. more. And so I, I did want to keep the job, but um, I felt no matter what the decision, no matter what the decision um, that Gerson and ownership and everyone came to, um, I felt good because I knew that uh, I did the right way where after the season was over, um, I said in my kind of, you know, season-ending um, press availability that I was going to coach the team, continue to be the head coach until somebody told me I wasn't the head coach, mm -hmm. and I meant that. So, you know, I, I continued to do, you know, my studies, you know, the development with the players, figure out development plans, work on the summer schedule, um, you know, draft, you know, things like that, and you know, I was going to do it until somebody told me not to do it, mm -hmm. and with that, you know, I whatever decision they ultimately came to, um, I knew I didn't, you know, try to politic for the job. I didn't do anything like that. I just did it, you know, my way of, of that I've always kind of known, and that's just through the work. And, um, you know, ultimately it ended up, you know, a positive for me, but I, I would have felt good either way. Mm -hmm. I feel a lot – I would have felt a lot worse if I didn't get the job, though. <laughs> How much bitter is it for you, though, to – to be the coach, not just a coach in the NBA, to be of the Timberwolves. I mean, it is your kind of in your DNA, both Minnesota, the yeah. state, and the Timberwolves because of your family legacy. Yeah, it's it's definitely makes it more special, uh, which which makes it more. You know, it's. I remember telling you know last week when we were doing free agency, I was telling free agents like, like, hey, you're going to get all, you know, all we have as a, as a staff, and a big reason on my end is because this is more than a job to me. This is something that I have so much love for the people within this organization. Um, and then, you know, I, I'd like to, you know, fulfill, you know, a legacy uh, at Minnesota. And, you know, but, but ultimately it's for, you know, the people of Minnesota, the fans. You want to make – we talked about, you know, the kind of, the, I guess you could say, the glory years of the Timberwolves. We want to get that back. And I know it's going to take, um, you know, it's going to take some time and, and, and a lot of hard work and a lot of um, maneuvering, but – but I feel confident in every, everybody we have there. You're in a conference where it, it might take 50 wins to get into the playoffs, like <laughs> yeah. legitimately. If there's an argument for reseeding, it's going to be this year, I think. Absolutely. I mean, 50 wins in the West is is just wild. And, you know, there's a lot of players that you have to extract a lot out of, but 
teams are mostly built around the stars at the top and yep. what they are able to do. And you know, with a guy like Andrew Wiggins, who has had a lot of criticism of him over the mm-hmm. years, um, a lot of it comes from that contract that he signed and maybe not living up to it. What what can what more can you extract out of him into next season? It's uh, it, that that's going to be an ongoing, I think, thing that people people talk about. But I'll say this is that Andrew's dedication this summer has been, um, you know, better than I've ever seen it. Uh, you know, just in terms of his approach, um, his workouts. He spent a lot of time in Minnesota. Um, he actually participated in a lot of the. I mean, I guess you can call them kind of OTAs for our, our young guys, um, where it was him and then you know five rookies or um, second-year guys, uh, all you know going through what we're going to be running offensively, working on playing one-on-one, things like that. I mean, his level of dedication has been um, you know really a positive. Uh, so with that, you know, we we expect to we expect him to to approach this season uh, with a chip on his shoulder um, to prove you know whatever people say about him wrong and I have a lot of confidence in Andrew I won't you know it takes a lot for me to not believe in somebody who um, you know I care about and so I believe in Andrew and um, you know we've had great dialogue with it all Mm. and with you know Carl was one of those guys that it seemed like your bond was pretty strong Mm -hmm. with that was a a big time advocate for you Mm -hmm. in in this this job coach hiring process What's the next level for him? Where, yeah. where can he get to? Because the talent is just undeniable in Carl Towns. Yeah, he, you know, and I'm appreciative of Carl as, you know, he, uh, you know, the fact that we, we do share a bond, that, that, that makes it, you know, makes your job a lot easier as a head coach when you have, you know, one of your star, all-star players when you have that bond. But also, you know, our bond is, I'd, I'd say, a little differently in a sense that, you know, I'm very hard on him and very direct and you know there were a number of times that you know he didn't speak to me for a couple days um just because but it it was more but that shows that it's more than you know a coach player relationship it was you know that's this type of thing that happens to your family with your family you know somebody might say something you don't like and you know at the end of the day you're gonna love them in a couple days and you guys will be you know back back to normal but you know for a couple days you're gonna be pissed off Mm -hmm. because you care about them that much but you know as for as for his next level um you know he's the, the the winning component and ultimate ultimately leading a team offensively and defensively is going to be big uh, you said especially in the west um it, there are conversations that we've had there we have a great staff as assistant coaches um, we've sent some guys out to la when carl hasn't been in minnesota he spent a lot of his summer in minnesota um as well i think he's there right now um but they've been, had that conversation with him too that we need, you know, we need a guy to lead offensively and defensively and in the locker room. Um, it's really important. As tough as it is in the West, does it feel differently going to the season because super teams are gone now? I mm-hmm. mean, at least for the time being. You know, you've got some really good teams at the top and some mm-hmm. teams that have been together for a while. But, I mean, if we saw with Toronto last year and, and the way that everybody spaced out this year, if you have two guys playing at a high level combined with, you know, role players that complement yeah. them well, you can win in the yeah. NBA and at the very highest of levels. Yeah, it, it does. It makes you think, you know, you, you think in other ways, I, I believe, in terms of how, you, how you're going to want to approach things and do things, both offensively and defensively. And, um, you know, seeing that it is wide open, it, I mean, it's still going to be, you know, a, a tough race in the West with, you know, what a lot of teams have done in terms of accumulating stars. But with that, you know, might not be necessarily full-on super teams around a super team level because, you know, I think that's something, you know, super teams, 
like like Golden State, you know, they earned the right to say that. Mm. Um, you know, all of us are just trying to, you know, still work our way into, you know, conversations to, um, you know, where where it's not just a team like that because they have, they've had a lot of deserved success where they've made great moves in their style of play and you know they have they have really unselfish leadership and you know great coaching and so you know for that reason we're we're all just trying to to, to get to that level. Mm. All right, before I let you go, the best coaching best best perk of being a head coach is what? <laughs> uh, yeah, I. As we record this in your monster suite, in, you know what? I'll, I'll say like, that. No, no, it's got to be something different than <laughs> than this enormous suite, which I'm guessing, as the summer league coach, you didn't have. I did not. I did not have. I did not have <laughs> double beds. In yeah, the- no. This this suite is definitely about as a summer league head coach. My suite was probably like <laughs> ten times smaller than this. So I think so. Yeah, yeah. I no, that's different. But perk perk for being a head coach. Um, I mean. I, <laughs> That's a that's a really tough question. Honestly, it would be that the, your hotel room is bigger. Mm-hmm. Like seriously, that's that's the one I can think of. Um, Different seats on the plane, maybe? Do you get it? No, a, I stayed in my same seat. Oh, you stayed in the stayed same in seat. Stayed in my same seat. Yeah. No, I, I everybody comes to you now. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. No, and uh, I until we hired another another person, I stayed in my same assistant coach office. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I didn't move into the head coaching office until we needed the office mm-hmm. for another person. So um, I'm not a big perks guy. I'm. I'm, I mean it when I say I'm just in, I'm just enjoying the work and enjoying. So you enjoying left the job. that head coaching office open for how long? Uh, well, we hired somebody. We hired somebody. I'd say a couple weeks after. Okay. But All so right. it it wasn't like long, but mm-hmm. it was every every I had every intention of staying in that off assistant office um, mm-hmm. until we actually needed the office for space. Mm-hmm. Did you now? Are you going to decorate that new office differently? No, no. no I'm just going to keep it. Keep it the exact same. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> Put a put a Peloton in there though. <laughs> nice, a nice. Work, you know, to get a workout. Yeah, in, but it looks like you need uh, it. I'm telling you. Other than that, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> uh, Ryan Saunders, aka Billy Haywood. <laughs> uh, that people listen to this podcast. If you see Ryan on the road, no, you can't do that. Just well, you come just on, put it out there. I, I opened I opened up to, to to you guys. Like, come on, just 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 let it, just let it roll off a little <laughs> bit. Just let it be a one time. Just, just joke. enjoy it. Just enjoy the story. <laughs> good story, man. <laughs> hey, appreciate you doing this, Ryan. Definitely, definitely. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... 
or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.